Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello. Gwen Russell, a widow of 45, was still a very attractive woman, much prettier, in fact, than Dana, her 22-year-old daughter. Gwen's older sister, Julie, who lived with them, had observed the mother. There was daughter competition whenever... Serving American forces overseas, this is the Far East Network. 810 on your dial... Tokyo. Did you find that man, Mother? I had a divine time. Walter Kirby took me backstage after the curtain calls to meet the leading man. Hmm. Gerald Madison? Yes, Gerald Madison. Oh. Well, how did Mr. Kirby happen to know it? Walter owns a piece of the place. What a thing. Oh. Oh, you're the lucky one. I'm dying to meet you. Mm-hmm. To tell you the truth, so was I. <sighs> Well, is he as handsome close up as he is from across the footlights? Impossible, though it seems, dear. He's even more handsome. Oh. But you'll have a chance to see for yourself, Dana. You see, Julie. What do you mean, see for ourselves? He's coming here for Sunday dinner. No, I can't believe it. <laughs> you better believe oh. it. I told him I lived very quietly with a young daughter. And an older sister. I merely said a sister. Oh. Sunday is his free day, of course, so I insisted he have dinner with us. Oh, well, of all things, he's so terribly in demand. I wouldn't think he'd have a free Sunday. I should think he'd be booked up for months ahead. Mm-hmm. He seems to like me very much. Oh. But, Mother, isn't he? Yes. He's a great deal younger than I am. He's nearer yours than mine, Dana. You're 22, and he can't be more than, oh, say, 28 or 9. I guess he gets tired of adoring young girls, Dana. Perhaps the fact that I was older appeals to him. You have a way with men, Mother, no doubt about that, but you've never hooked such a young one before. Most of young men come here, Dana, to confide in me and... And adore you? And besides... I haven't hooked Gerald Madison, darling. I think the boy needs a friend. Someone to whom he can talk, frankly. Someone who will listen. Someone with whom he can relax. 
He has to be. Well, where is it? The girls my age. Yes. I guess, uh, Arthur's neat then. He doesn't have to be wary with me. What was Walter doing while you two were making all these plans? Was he included in it? Naturally, I asked Walter to join us for Sunday dinner because we had a golf engagement. Walter was a fool to take you backstage. You never said it. But that's his problem. Oh, here I sit with a cup in my hand, Jen, as if I'm playing statues. And that's what he wants cream with China lemon. Lemon, please. Cream fatness. You should worry about that. Every woman should worry about that, Julie. I think I'll get a new dress for Sunday. The gray chiffon you were looking at last week? No. I don't believe I'll get a gray dress. Gray seems so terribly middle-aged. <laughs> what are you laughing at, Julie? <laughs> because you look guilty all at once. Not like the kitten who's eaten the canary. The kitten who's about to. First of all, you have many reasons to look guilty. You haven't devoured Daryl Madison. Yeah, you're horrid, Julie. I, <laughs> I believe I'll get the gray dress after all. There's nothing wrong with it. In fact, it was extremely becoming. And I want to look my best today. <laughs> Just a moment, Betty Davis will be back again. But first, since January 1957, Social Security deductions have been made from all servicemen's base pay. This deduction is credited to your individual Social Security account. This account is kept in the same way that deposits are added to a bank account. That's why your Social Security number is just as important to you as your bank book number. Your Social Security number the key to all of your Social Security records. Whenever you're asked for that number, show your card and make sure the name and number are copied exactly as they are on the card. That way you'll know the report on your earnings will be entered on your own Social Security account. Keeping your records straight with Social Security is important. You or your survivors are to collect all benefits to which you're entitled. You lose your card, you'll be given a replacement which will carry your original number. Have you investigated your Social Security benefits? And now, back to our story with Betty Davis. Daryl Madison, the attractive leading man in the new hit play, arrived for dinner on schedule. No, he was ahead of schedule. Dana let him into the house and greeted him breathlessly. I'm Mrs. Russell's daughter, Mr. Madison. I'm Dana Russell. Mother hasn't finished dressing. She said that Aunt Julie and I were to entertain you until she came down. Thank you, Dana. You're like your mother. You'll probably be as beautiful as she is near her age. Thank you. Come into the living room and meet Aunt Julie, will you? Yes, indeed. I'm anxious to meet Mrs. Russell's whole family. Nice of you to say so. Your mother came into my life after the Wednesday matinee like a breath of spring. I've been thinking about her ever since. Was it breath of spring? 
This way. Mother said you were even more handsome close up than you are from across the footlights. Did she really say that? She really did. I thought she must be exaggerating. She wasn't. Well, Mr. Livingman, this is my Aunt Julie, Mr. Madison. How do you do, Mr. Madison? How do you do? My last name is Spencer. Spencer was my sister's maiden name, and it's still uh, mine. Every suburban house should have a Spencer aunt. Spencer aunt, Spencer equipment. Your son. Glenn will be with us first time. Thank you. Gwen is such a pretty name. It suits your sister, Miss Spencer. Mother's real name is Gwendolyn, but it was so silly and Victorian that everybody started calling her Gwen when she was just a kid. Well, I don't think Gwendolyn is a silly name, but Gwen suits her somehow. It's more intimate. Oh, thank you, no? Hello, Mr. Madison. My goodness, you're young enough to be my son, so I'm going to call you Daryl. Young enough to be... I only remember my mother as someone very slim and beautiful. With soft hands, hands like yours. But my mother died when I was just old enough to remember her. I'm glad you asked her today, Gwen. It's been a pleasure to meet your young daughter and your sister. Uh, do I see a garden beyond that window? A very old-fashioned one, complete with a sundial and a rose arbor. Do you want to come outside and see it closer? I certainly do. Let's go, then. My husband... He died a great many years ago. Planted the perennial. It was odd that they're here and he's gone. Well, I always thought you were a pretty girl, Dana. But he only had eyes for your mother. And he certainly wowed him. He didn't wear the gray dress after all. He wore the white dress that she got for Lorraine Benton's wedding. I noticed. Mm. Remember what your mother said? She wanted to look her best. Bella. I remember. How could I forget? After that initial Sunday, Darrell Madison came to see Gwen Russell regularly. And Walter Kirby, who had introduced them, who had long been when devoted and hopeful to her, faded into the dim, distant past. Darrell was always gay and calm. Dana resented his attentions to her mother, but looked forward to his visit. And Julie, well, she had long talks with Darrell while he was waiting for Gwen to appear. And Julie, too, enjoyed his coming. And then one morning, at the breakfast table, I've news for you, girl. Daryl Shell closing? You leaving town? Daryl Shell isn't closing, and he's not leaving town. Quite the contrary. Last night, he asked me to marry him. Well, then, are you open to congratulations? Well, yes, I am. You mean you accepted his proposal? Yes. Does Walter Kirby know about this? Well, I haven't told him yet, but Walter's taken it on the chain for a long while. I said that he was a fool to introduce you to Daryl. Walter will be happy for me. 
Are you happy for me, Sheila? That's the way I should be. Well, I'm not. I think it's simply awful. But you told Errol yourself that he could be your son. You, you shouldn't have brought that up now, Dana. Well, I had to say it. I'm utterly disillusioned. Well, there's nothing you can do about it now. And anyhow, yes. As long as it's all decided, I'm going to stop looking old enough to be Daryl's mother. I'm going to have something done to my hair today. Oh, wait a minute, Gwen. Your hair's been gray for years. It's a trademark almost. Mine has been too, for that matter. Gray hair happens early in our family. I've had gray hair for a long while. I'm bored with it. You mean you're going to dye your hair? Yes, I am. And I'm going to get younger clothes, too. Surprised how many girls are after Daryl. I'll have to compete with them from now on. You've got him without competing, Gwen. I've got him, yes. But getting a man and keeping a man are two different things. You can say that at the cost, then. Thank heaven this is a matinee day. If it weren't, Daryl would come out during the afternoon. I'll have plenty of time to go to the beauty parlor and Odd how a woman can change herself in the space of hours. Odd and more than a little frightening. I'd like to women at noon and pass them on the street in the late afternoon without recognition. The next time Darrell Madison saw Gwen Russell. Well, for Pete's sake, I scarcely recognize you, darling. What have you done to your hair? I use a um, different rinse. It was always a platinum rinse before. Oh. Do you like this dress? Well, some women couldn't wear such a short dress, but... Well, you have beautiful legs. Everything about you is... It is beautiful, Gwen. But... Well, I must get adjusted to change. You see... I fell in love with a lady who had silver hair and wore sort of soft, twisty dresses, and now she's turned into a cover girl. Good <laughs> heavens, we've been talking for three minutes, and I haven't kissed you. I must be losing my mind. In a moment, Betty Davis will be back. There are hundreds of children in Germany, as well as hundreds more in the United States, who believe that Sergeant Carl D. Davis was a year-round Santa Claus. The children's belief is well-founded. For Davis, a Tennessee-born orphan, became a sort of guardian angel for orphans when he spearheaded the organizing of the Hands Across the Ocean Committee, which provided assistance for the orphanages in West Germany. It all began when Davis, a military police veteran of over 30 years' service, was stationed near Pottsville, Pennsylvania in 1952. He discovered a down-at-the-heels orphanage housing over a hundred children. A quick investigation convinced him that the institution needed help badly, and he decided to do something about it. So he hustled back to his MP company, enlisted the support of other soldiers, and began a building fund which was used to buy blankets, food, and toys for the children. Soon after helping put the Pennsylvania orphanage on its feet, Sergeant Davis was transferred to Germany. There he found children in even worse conditions than back home. Many of them still lived in the streets, 
dirty and dusty fuel because of overcrowded conditions in orphanages. The sergeant went right to work and organized a group of MPs to assist in improving conditions at the orphanages in towns near his base. They began by rounding up dozens of cots, boxes of clothes and blankets, and hundreds of colorful toys. Then Davis sent out appeals for help from many other sources. Soon, so many gifts were pouring in that the Hands Across the Ocean Committee had to be formed to help Sergeant Davis and his assistants with their distribution. No wonder hundreds of unfortunate orphans still think of Sergeant Charles E. Davis as a year-round Santa Claus. As a result of his unselfish work, the sergeant has given us all a thought to remember. We are Americans. As we go, so goes America. And now, back to our story with Betty Davis. It had all started when Gwen took a cup of tea with lemon instead of cream, and she adored tea with cream. And seeing her watch from the sidelines, she saw her mother change from a middle-aged woman who looked young for her age to a young woman who looked old for her. Dana couldn't help wondering where and how it would end and said as much one day to her Aunt Julia. I'm scared somehow. I feel a little... I didn't Don't you agree with me, Aunt Julia? Aunt Julie, don't you agree with me? What was that, dear? A wool battling at you? Baby? I guess I was dreaming. What did you say then? Well, I asked how and where Mother's romance with Daryl Madison was going to end. Isn't that her business? And Daryl's? Well, not entirely. After all, I'm her daughter. Oh, Mother's losing everything that made us charming, I hate to say it, but, but if Daryl gets fed up with her... Fed up with her? Yes. We didn't expect him yesterday afternoon, so Mother went to the beauty shop, and I played tennis with one of the boys, and I came in first. And there you were with Daryl, and he was talking a mile a minute. Okay. Are you talking about Mother? No. Okay. You're talking about me? And then unexpectedly fate took a hand and answered Dana's question. Fate often answers our questions if we're willing to wait. For unexpectedly, Darrell Madison's show did close and he announced that he was going to Hollywood to do a picture. Dana came down to breakfast the morning after the announcement to find her mother sipping black coffee, meditatively. I suppose your combined business to pleasure that I'd rather go anywhere than to Hollywood on my honeymoon. There's so many beautiful women in Hollywood. So many beautiful young women. He wants to marry you then before he makes the picture? I, I thought maybe he'd make the picture first, and that perhaps he hasn't said he wants to marry me before he goes to Hollywood, but I'm sure he does. Is that Julie? I guess she's sleeping late. Well, let's go wake her up, dear. I have to talk to her about lots of things. Oh, all right. Mother, she doesn't answer. 
Maybe she's ill or something. Open the door, Dana. Her room's empty, and her bed hasn't been slept in, and I found this letter on her bureau. It's addressed to you. Mm. Give it here, Dana. This is very strange. Aunt Julie says that she's going on a trip. If she doesn't say where she's going and when she'll be back. Aunt Julie never goes any place without planning ahead. That's why it's so strange. She isn't supposed to be mysterious. Is that all she said, Mother? No, dear. She said she'd send a special delivery letter to Walter's Purdue explaining the matter in detail. She explained to him. Why not to you and me? He's probably doing something ridiculous. Mm. Perhaps she was afraid we'd try to talk her out of it. Women of her age often go off on tangents. Well, I'll phone Walt. I'm sure he'll tell me what she's up to. I must say that I'm very much upset. You've got to stop her to go away now. May I speak with Mr. Walter Kirby, please? Oh, I'm sorry, Miss Marshall. I thought Mr. Kirby would be in by this time. He's been and gone? He's on his way out to my house? Oh, I don't understand. But maybe I do with that. Uh, tell me, did he receive a special delivery letter this morning? I see. Well, if he left then, he should be here any minute. The bill's ringing now, Mother. I'll go to the door. Uh, my daughter tells me that the doorbell's ringing, Miss Marston, so it's probably Mr. Kirby. I'm sorry to have troubled you. And you're very sweet to say so. Goodbye, Miss Marston, and thanks. Dana, was it... Yes, Gwen, it is. I came immediately. Well, it must be very serious to bring you all the way out here. It's serious in one way, but in another... Walter, what's Julie been up to? You'd better sit down here and take a long breath. Oh. You're going to be very much surprised. So you should have seen the writing on the wall. The writing on, on the wall? Yes. Where's Dana? I told her I'd prefer to be alone with you when I broke the news. When you broke the news? Oh, sorry, Mary. Thank you. We've been friends for many years, Gwen. For great many years. I was best man when you married Roger. I was in the hospital when Dana was born. And when Roger died. And you know that I love you very much. That I'd do anything to keep you from being hurt. Yes, I know. Stop beating around the bush, Walt. Tell me what Julie said in that letter. She said that she hoped you'd forgive them. Them? But she said she couldn't help herself when Daryl asked her to elope with him. But Walter, she's three years older than I am, and she looks... She looks older than you did when you and Daryl met. She says in her letter that the first time Daryl came here, he said his mother died when he was almost too little to remember her. Perhaps he always missed his mother.
children step out of character in an effort to hold the love of a man. For usually, a man falls in love not only with the actual woman, but with his mental picture of her. And he's apt to be confused when the picture steps out of the frame and another one takes its place. I think we can safely assume that Gwen Russell will settle for a very fine half-loaf and marry Walter Kirby. But what about Dana Russell, who told her mother that she was utterly disillusioned? And now, here's Betty Davis to tell you more about Dana Russell. Was Dana speaking at any shop daughter would, or was she telling the truth when she said that she was disillusioned, and would this disillusionment have an effect on her later life? Until then, this is Betty Davis saying goodbye from the Whispering Street. Featured in the cast were Virginia Gregg, Barbara Eiler, Kathy Lewis, and Byron Kane. Whispering Street was directed by Gordon T. Hughes and produced by Ted Lloyd. Your announcer is Dan Coverley. to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.